Hello and welcome to Metal Film 2023. I'm your host, Barry Tregenza. Coming up on this week's episode, we discuss the classic metal and rock-focused movies and documentaries and why they made such an impact on our community. We take a look at the 90s when the rock soundtrack hit ambitious new heights, even if the movie protagonists often did not. Our very own nerd, the voice of reason, talks about metal in horror movies and asks why metal has been so underused in the very genre that inspired it to begin with. And we also look back at our favourite and unexpected moments in metal movie history. As usual, we're joined by Thrash Metal's very own Roger Ebert, our Witchfinder General himself, also known as Padre. And following his triumphant appearance on our wrestling episode a few weeks back, we welcome back Gavin Evans, who's spending the evening with us rather than fighting with his family. Gentlemen, good evening. It's uh, it's movie week. You know, we're almost a year into this, and it's the first time we've touched this. So, uh, yeah. What are we talking about then? What's 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 first up? Because like this is this is surprisingly a massive, a massive subject. There's there's way more than I actually thought there was when you look back at it. Um, you know, obviously, we've obviously got things like Spinal Tap and you know, and the slacker movies of the nineties and stuff like that. But who wants to uh, who wants to have first fist at this and and why we're talking about it in the first place? Why is it such a big deal? Well, I, I I need a justification about why we're even here. I mean, I'm just, I, I was completely against this episode to start with, anyway. But you know, you were just against Gav. That was more the issue. No, no, and and I just no, just get on with it. <laughs> right, look, let's 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 start off then by taking a look at you know the the, the major sort of metal rock cultural movies. First, and like I just said, Spinal Tap, you've got the likes of Wayne's World, you've got Bill and Ted, all those films that we all grew up with. You know, obviously, if you're a lot younger, that might not be the case. But for us sort of middle age types, these were, you know, our formative years, so to speak. So, you know, we, we got what's, what's the favourites first off, just out of those those key ones that we remember, well, which are the ones that me, had the biggest it's, impact? It's got to be, for me, I mean, yeah, Spinal Tap, that, that's that's... Spinal Tap's out there. It, it's it's one of the gold standards. I don't think so. Let's leave that there. I mean, I think we can. We all, every, every, anyone listening to this is going to agree that that is one of the gold standards. My favourite bits are, for example, Bill and Ted when they're running around the shopping centre, shopping mall, and they're play and Beethoven's playing "Come Play with Me" by Extreme. Really, that yeah. is special. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And even if anyone doesn't know about Extreme, if you play them that clip, they'll be oh, I, I, if you play them that part of the song, they'll be oh, that's from Bill and Ted. Yeah, that, that's 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 a that's a classic moment. It's one of those things. Every time I go back on it, you just you re, you remember stuff like that. It's um, was that was that the first? That was the first one, wasn't it? That's the first one. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, you got a Beethoven, but with all his seventy years, like Rick Waitman, but. Yeah, that, yeah, but really, yeah, but really, yeah. that's that's the only thing the first one's got. The second one, however, has got more because they did the soundtrack to it as well, which has got like Megadeth on, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously they've got the uh, God gave rock and roll to you in it as well, which is the Steve Vai version. What are the other? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Wayne's, yeah, again, yeah, Wayne's Bogus World. Journey's, Bogus Journey's got the better soundtrack, but I think the first one is a better film. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the less talked about the third one, the better. We won't. I don't think we'll even. Uh, yeah, we'll I haven't even seen it. I, I got about forty minutes into it and, and left it's, it there. Yeah. Um, 
look, we, we have to talk about Spinal Tap. I know you said it's, it's up there and, and everybody who can appreciate this will know what Spinal Tap is, but we have to talk about it because it's not just it's not just funny it's not just clever it's it's almost factually accurate as well isn't it people like like biff from saxon and people like that have talked about the things that happened in spinal tap this is the shit that used to happen to these bands didn't saxon walk out of the movie premiere because it was too close to the bone too close to the bone yeah exactly exactly so you know it's based on judas priest wasn't it loosely i think yeah very loosely the the, the the director Rob Weiner followed Saxon around for for a bit as well. So the, the scene where they get lost behind the stage, that's actually Saxon. Yeah, that's not Jesus yeah. Christ. But that's again, basically. that's 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 probably that's probably happened to God knows how many bands. Yeah, yeah, and and then the the thing with the Stonehenge, and he's like, you know, have you ever seen Stonehenge? It's fucking sick. It's fucking twelve foot tall. That's Sabbath. Yeah, Sabbath. Yeah, but it's 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 not just those particular those particular moments it's it's all the subtleties through it as well my particular favorite is is um is the rider it's the sandwiches and everything like that it's, you you can imagine that being the likes of Lars Ulrich Axel Rose all of those having the same kind of well, conversation it's, 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 that's like me before i go into class cuz i demand a rider <laughs> and i'm like i can't eat these fucking sa- look that the salami doesn't fit on the fucking bread and you take do have the, the same take the pineapple off my pizza you have the same fucking problem though in italy is that the, the toast bread is so small, the salami doesn't fit. But I, I'll, I'll go in and get you some if you want to see it, right? <laughs> okay, we're not talking about a Hovis or, or a Warburst and sliced white loafer, okay? Um, but the, the, the thing for me about Spinal Tap is there's a really good quote in it which really sums me up. When he's, he's got the, uh, the limo drivers going on about um, Frank Sinatra, and he's like, you know, it, it's Frank's world, we all just live in it. That's actually wrong. It's a misquote because it's Padre's world and you all just live in it. I, I allow you to live in my world. You okay? would like to think that, wouldn't you? No, no, no. That, that it's true. Okay. Yeah. All right. Have you, have you lived a life that Frank, Frank has lived, Bo? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> even even, even our, the, the genius of Spinal Tap, it, it it translated into best in show as well. So it's, it wasn't a one-off thing. They took that very same concept of all the ridiculousness about that particular culture and put yeah. the same thing into best in show. So, you the know, thing is, they, we, they knew what they were doing. We, we, we're fans of metal. We, we know how ridiculous it is and we still embrace it. And that's the thing. Yeah, is absolutely. We laugh, we, we, it's taking the piss, but it's also... It's it's doing it in a way that doesn't embarrass us. We can say, "Yep, yep, that's it," and we still fucking love it. it it's accurate. Look I, look, I can attest to it. I once got lost uh, around the backs of the stage in London Astoria. <laughs> um, we'd gone there. Um, <laughs> we'd gone there to interview uh, Frank Fonseca from Stuck Mojo and Fozzy and all that lot. Um, and getting out of that place was a was a fucking mission. It was just staircases and narrow corridors. No matter which way you went, you always ended up back in the same place. So I, I can sympathise with it. What you've got with a few of these, like Spinal Tap, Wayne's World, Bill and Ted, they have achieved that pop culture moment where regardless of what the film's about or who's in it, it's spread everywhere. So, you know, when Wayne's World came out, Everybody knew about the Bohemian Rhapsody bit in the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody's on the radio. It's on top of the pops. 
people are in their cars headbanging and then all of a sudden more and more elements of those films then start to just slide into normal people's lives let's call it I just, <laughs> I, I just love the bit i love the bit in wayne's world where they're saying like you know you have to do on the TV show, you have to do the advertising for Noah's Arcade. And he's like, we won't bow to like kind of corporate sponsorship. And then it yeah, just yeah, cuts yeah. the car. He's just sat there and he's just dressed entirely in Reebok. <laughs> but back in the day, in one of my house shares, I lived with, um, I lived with someone who had access to make, to some, some machine that made signs. And we had a corner in the, in the living room where the guitars and my keyboards were. And basically, we had a sign on the wall that had no west, no stairway to heaven. Yeah, see, that, that's that's another yep. one of those moments, isn't it? That you you can pick so many out of these movies that you forget until you go you go back and watch the film and you, you kind of remember it again. And it's like I said, it's all those little subtleties. I bet there were people. Work, I bet there were people working in music shops. If that gag came on. And they were like, that is spot on because there are so many pricks to come in and yeah. play that song every day and I never want to hear it ever again. There's a there's um there's a guitar shop on Denmark Street in London and they've got a big poster up and it's got like a list of songs. I can't remember them all, but it's like if you come in here and play Layla, Stairway to Heaven, Smoke on the Water, and then there's a the list goes on, and then out the bottom it just goes, You have no future as a guitar player. <laughs> And that's fair enough. I mean, it's, it's the moment that uh, Garth gets behind the kit as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's special. I think it's they're all, you know, all of these characters are, you know, they're dorks, aren't they? Yeah. But because that, that was the perception in some ways, but it's also, yeah, they're great people. They're great. They're, they've got character. They're fun. Um, especially most of them. Maybe not Spinal Tap. It's almost it's almost like heavy metal in between, isn't it? You, you're neither quite quite proper nerds or quite cool enough to be cool, but tour bus wankers <laughs> running around the playground shouting wild stallions. I mean, how many people are still going to fancy dress parties dressed as Wayne and Garth these days? It's well, the, all the time, isn't it? We had a, a '90s birthday party for Helen's 40th a couple of years back, and uh, we had two couples come as Wayne's uh, Wayne and Garth. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, you know the, the connoisseur would turn up as as Barry and Ira Shalowitz or someone like that. You know, which you know I only realised about a year ago that one of those is Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, that's what I was watching like, the other day. Like it, we didn't know yeah. it before, did no, we? Didn't didn't know one of those things. Didn't yeah. notice about the film until recently. So you know, says it all. Well, look, there, there's a triumvirate for me. There's Spinal Tap. There's Wayne's World. I, I don't. I don't really quite. Put Bill and Ted in the same way, but Airheads is the other one. Yeah, yeah, Airheads. Yeah, that's more, the, more, more direct, more on the nose of just being a you know a metal related film. That that is 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 that's pure genius. It's it's not the greatest film, but from a metal fan's point of view, it's pure genius. Yeah, that's it. It flies under the radar because it's objectively not a great great film. No, um, it's good. It's good if you're a metalhead, but it's not for everyone else. It's okay. Um, but again, how many things does it nail? Oh, so many, so many. You know the, the the questions, the questions of you know the test questions. Are you a cop? You know which side did you take in the great Dave Lee Roth Van Halen split? You know who would win in a fight, Lemmy or God? It's 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 those 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 sort of details again that 
you, you can't you can't beat that it's the little things as well it's like the tour their, their bus not the tour bus but their their own not the bus the van yeah the um the van that he um drives around in yeah um pip adam sandler and it's the little stickers everywhere dotted about the place so you got your morbid angel and your uh and 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 your classics and then you got therapy in the corner and it's just you sort of spot a new thing every time you watch it i've never noticed a therapy one i know it's an obituary yeah. one in there i've seen that yeah um but there's a guy in the crowd when they're outside and they're wearing an obituary t-shirt as well carrying the the 80s sort of you know get a blaster on his shoulder yeah yeah there's, there's a therapy um sticker there but it, it is it's those little things and that's that's the kind of that's the level of nerd that that metal fans look for isn't it what frustrates me about that film is that, that that script was knocking around for a few years before it was grabbed a hold of and someone took a chance on it. Um, but it was written before grunge, I think. Was it? Yeah, because you, you think of a the culture there. Um, I think it, 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 the first draft was either before grunge or certainly very early on in the grunge stuff because it you know refers to that Seattle bullshit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, by the fact, by the fact that t- time that film came out in '94, you know that kind of rock music was very old hat. Yeah, and so it was grunge almost. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair I just, point. I, I just need to illustrate my point from earlier. Look at this. This is fucking <laughs> Italian toast bread, right? Okay, or, or sliced bread. Yeah. Now I know, I know some people might say, "Well, why don't you just go to a bakery?" And buy like a fresh ciabatta or filoncino or something like that. No, and, that and that's a fair point, right? Look, this is a piece of provolone. Look at the problems that I have to face. It's too big for the fucking bread. I can't even. I can't <laughs> fold it over, right? There's my slice of turkey. Look at this. It's it, it's bigger than two pieces of. I can't. I can't fold it. I can't. I, I what? And if you fold the bread, it's great. And like I, I, I can't. I can't do anything with this. <laughs> it's just, it's just a fucking disaster. <laughs> like, 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 you know, and, and if you try and spread anything on it, it just breaks up. I'm like, what the what? <laughs> fucking can't do anything with it. Look at it. It just breaks up. You know, life imitates art. Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. And and don't even get me started on the problems you have with fucking salami. First world problems. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I... no, don't don't for one th- second think that I live in a first world country. <laughs> right? And I'll tell you why, right? My bank card expired. They didn't send me a new one. Do you know what their solution was? I'll just cancel the account and just get a new account. <laughs> All right, okay. So then I'm like, okay, so can I set up a new account? Yeah. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you don't have that. You don't have that. Um, you need a, a piece of paper with your... um your tax code on it. I'm like, yeah, I've got that. Look, let's see that. These are, this is the, all the documents that you sent me when I signed the account, set up the account. I just didn't have the document with me. I said, look, that my, my tax code's there. And there's the, there's the official stamp of the bank. And they're like, oh no, we can't accept that. And I'm like, well, you can't accept your own documents. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, and, and that, and that's, and it's, you just trapped in this like kind of, kind of sick joke of, shitty undersized bread and overbearing bureaucracy <laughs> anyway back on topic um <laughs> that, that film would have been be- bigger if it had come out you know 89 you think, 90. do you think though that it almost because it was quite at the tail end of it 
that it, it almost highlighted that that sort of desperation that they had, clinging onto the coattails of the scene that came a few years before. Yeah, that's valid point. You know, because yeah. Brendan Fraser's character in it, Chaz Darby, um, Chester. <laughs> Chester, <laughs> um, you know, used to spend spend his days riding up and down the strip on his on his Harley, impressing teenage girls, and you know, it's that kind of desperation to hold on to youth, isn't it? That's what I get from that film. It's like they're all growing up, getting a bit older. You know, Steve Buscemi works in a fucking toy store. <laughs> Adam Sandler cleans pools and fucks wives. <laughs> you know, and Brendan Fraser just rides his Harley up and down the strip. So it's mm. it's, it's, it's trying to cling on to that dream. I think what amuses me about that film, I never realised it, but the, the song that they, they're they playing, their power slop song, it's not even it's not even like a metal or, or a hard rock song. It's a punk it's, song, isn't it's it? It's a punk song, yeah. yeah it it's is. a Reagan it youth. Is. Yep. Yep. So, what is Padre doing out on a Tuesday night? Well, obviously, why zombie are in that as well, aren't they? Well, no, I was, yeah. I was out trying to find bread that fitted the cheese. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. one of those wince-inducing moments in film. Oh yeah, the, the, the nipple ring. Oh, yeah. that's grim. Every it's time. Grim. But it, yeah, it, but again, it's it's another great moment. You know, again, a good and a you know great cameo, a great, uh, a great cameo appearance as well. Um, but we'll we'll come back to cameos a little bit later. I think like, and this is probably just because of my uh, younger brother Josh. So he would have been. 13 2003 when school of rock came out and he was just starting to learn to play the guitar but you think you know the it's an easy entry vehicle into metal songs in a movie which then went on to just be absolutely everywhere turned into a musical which is still running in the west end and on broadway and touring and uh, and whatnot now and, um, you know, my, my brother certainly would have taken songs from that to start to learn to play. And there's probably loads more kids who've missed all of those songs the first time round and used School of Rock as a, a jumping pad, launch pad. 100%. Yeah. And that, it's, but, it's testament to that film that it is still going around as a musical. Yeah. yeah. I know we can probably, people probably say it's a bit mainstream and a bit too Hollywood and all that. So what? That it was a good film. It's got credibility because of people that made it. You got Richard yeah. Linklater directed it. He's got yeah. proper indie jobs. It it took the subject seriously. It, it did it with fun. It, it it didn't talk down to kids at all. Yeah, that's true. And and again, you know, it was just respected respected the fact that this is great music, and you got to work with a team. You got to work with people to to make good music and perform. And you know, when we interviewed um, Bones from Tailgunner, a few few months back he himself said school of rock was one of the things that got him into rock music as a yeah. small boy yeah so yeah. yeah i mean we were in our early 20s when it came out so yeah i just, good fun I just rock music, remember but... the line from school of rock when he's like would you sell would you tell picasso to sell his guitars <laughs> <laughs> but it's like like you said it's, it's got an innocence about it it is quite mainstream but it is it is a it's it's, it's quite a heartwarming type of film you know, you've got all this, this group of kids that kind of don't fit together yeah. and they all come together, you know, and and make this. It's, I suppose, I don't know, Would you could you have that with any other kind of music? Would it work? I, I'm not sure it would. I mean, that well, story's been, 
If my if my wife were here, she would say the commitments. Yeah, possibly. I mean, people rave about the commitments. I enjoyed that film, but I mean, that I was more about, that was less about music and more about class. Yeah, more about the time, music, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all relevant. Can yeah. we can we edit that part out? Because if she if she hears this, it's finished. <laughs> That's definitely she, staying hunt, in. She'll hunt you down. She'll hunt you. She'll hunt you down. I, 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 and I can't, my, my, my influence on this is limited. I won't be able to pull her back, you know? I stand um, by my opinions. It's fine. <laughs> no Canadian army is going to take me down. After she's finished with you, you won't have any fucking legs to stand on. That's fine. I don't need legs. All right, cruise control <laughs> in my car. I don't need legs. It's fine. Although on the subject of School of Rock, there is a very dodgy moment where Jack Black's character forces a child to listen to Rush. Yeah, see, that's never good. Yeah. <laughs> that's never good. Um, and again, again, we come back to Canada. You know, it's it's, it's a shame, but kids, it, it just beware, been, beware of Canadians. It, it could have been Dream Theater. This is and true. On, on that note, I put them into IMDb earlier because I thought they're bound to be something that they've had a song on. Never, one of their songs has never been included in a movie. No one wants them. That's why. Well, that that, that makes this my favorite episode all, so far. Um, how, how do you fit someone like that into a film anyway? <laughs> be a very long film. Yeah. Um, similar sort of era then. What about Almost Famous? It's, it's a very a different movie, but great. I mean, it's a great film. film. Um, but it's, it's, not, it's not really... What's the fucking film? Sorry. And it's got, what's his name? Mark Wahlberg in it. And he, he's oh, in the cover band. Rockstar, yeah. yeah. Rockstar. Yeah. And, and they take the backstage stories about like Van Halen super gluing the furniture to the ceiling. Um, there's, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, they say it's loosely based on Rob Halford leaving Judas Priest and yeah, yeah, coming yeah. in and stuff like that. But but um, we we'll we'll get to that film a little bit later because that's a little bit further down the pecking order. Um, but yeah, it's got its, it's got its own category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has. Um, but then again, like there there are. When you talk about like just music and films, but there were other things like one of my, I remember watching it well, back in the, in the mid 90s. And you know, you watch a film like Point Break, it doesn't have any metal music in it, but there's that scene where they go into the house and the drug bust, and there's that Justice for All poster on the wall. And you're yeah, like, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. And Anthony Kiedis is the uh, the fucking surfer, and, like Patrick Swayze is like, back, back off, off War Child, child. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, almost famous. Um, it's one of my favorite films. Almost famous. I think it's it's a great story. It's got an amazing soundtrack, great characters, um, and it, it kind of it because it, it harks back to the seventies when it was, you know, before cock rock and all that kind of thing, where it was literally just about the music. It's I don't. Know, it's just it's just such a great film. And there's some really, watched, really cool moments it. in it as well, you know. I haven't watched it for ages. Yeah, no, I'll watch it again soon. It is a great film. I, I mean, and Kate Hudson in it is just lovely. <laughs> he does was it, old man. Wasn't it a biography of the um, one of the Rolling Stones writer writers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't know. It it, hit, it just really hits the spot. I think it's got everything. It, you know, well, it's, it's based, based on it's... based on the Clear, Clear Dance Clearwater Revival. Yeah, loosely. Yeah, they, they they kind of 
I know look, Cameron Crowe's a great director anyway, but yeah. But what he does with that film, what he does with that story, is just just so cool. And um Francis McDormand playing his mother, just genius. She's you know, she's in the film so little, but she's just fucking brilliant. The, the conversations he has, she, the conversations ridiculous. he has over the phone, it's just just the I mean there, there are there are other like small nuggets as well. So like that film with Nicole Kidman to die for. And it's got nail bomb in it with Max Cavalier. I've not seen it's that. Matt, and it's literally a, a, a 10 second clip. But if you know metal, you kind of like, oh, this is your shit film. Oh my god, fucking Max Cavalier. You know? Yeah. We we got we got the classic moments in Metal to Come. Oh, there's a few. So the more, yeah. more recent ones then. So obviously, you know, Spinal Tap in the 80s, Weird Airheads, Bill and Ted, Wayne's World, all in the 90s, almost famous later on than that. Singles in the 90s as well. I know it's grunge, not strictly metal, but it's, again. Again, it's it's that commu- it's the community. That film is, yeah. it's, I mean, when, when, when the guy wrote it, he, he, it was set in Arizona. And again, rock, just a, just a rock community. And I think he relocated to Seattle and saw what was going on. And thought actually this is this is ideal for what I want to do because it's there's more of a an insular thriving community with something unique going on. Um Touch that, me on dick. It's, it's a, yeah, I mean you can't you can't watch that film and just watch it as a as a as a rom com. No. No. It's you know that, that happens to be See, based in, in a rock scene. It's that's part of it. For me, I, I, I you know you know you know going back to school of rock very quickly. You know, like the scene where he does like the the, the kind of flow chart, the mind map on the board, and he's like goes through all the different subgenres of heavy metal. I've done that as a teacher. Of course, right? you have. I've, I've, I have. I have. I have. You know, and I'll take my Bluetooth speaker in with you know Spotify, and I I like, I, I actually did it three hours ago because we were doing musical genres. So I taught them the difference between firstly subgenre, but then. You know, the difference, you know, hard rock, rock, thrash, death, speed metal. Taught them the term state of the art speed metal, obviously played them stuff off uh, Killing Is My Business. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, and and all went over their head, but like, you know, it's like at the minute, it's the only thing that makes my job interesting. <laughs> and you're, you're, fl- you're flying the flag, that's what matters. Um, so bring it all right, so bring it into the modern day then. Um, I haven't seen this yet. I just haven't got around to watching it yet. But Sound of Metal, who's watched this? I hope Gavin has, because I still haven't bloody got around to it. No, That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a uh, serious film, isn't it? I need yeah. to be in the right mood, and I haven't been lately yeah. for that kind of film. It, 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 yeah, serious film. Um, guy's a drummer, losing his hearing. And... Um, you know, it's that last moments of can he clamour on to what he's just loved doing within his life. Um, it is a great movie. You guys definitely need to watch watch that one. On the on the reverse of that, I've never seen singles, so that's one that's going to need to go on my list. Oh watch. wow! Okay, well then there's homework for all of us then. Yeah, yeah I think if, if if you enjoy that era of movie, that type of movie, you'll love singles. It is a slacker movie at the end of the day, just with great music. 
Nice. And it's got half of the fucking grunge scene in it as well. <laughs> yeah, and the, the bands are in it as well. So yeah. you, you've got all of that just to add that's to it. it. So it's, you know, it makes it even better. And it's, it's interesting because it's the notable absence is Nirvana, but that's because they were they were the outsiders. They were yeah, they were roommates, yeah. were they? The others were. They all part of the Nirvana, Nirvana were the pop stars mm. at that time. They weren't really part of that scene in the same way. Well, it's because it's that was what gets me about that film, because that was filmed in summer ninety one. Spring summer ninety one, so yeah. before before those three big albums were released at the end of end of summer, and there's a great scene where they're talking about the music and and, and Matt Dillon's character is talk, talking about all all the great classic songs. It's like when, when's Seattle going to have its classic song? Yeah, yeah. And of course, then the film's released in ninety two, and it's just like, hang on a minute. Yeah, you've had it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just 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 an odd moment, but it's it's so prescient. Yeah, but who could have seen that coming? You know. Um, lastly, when do we get the film? When do we get the film about the San Francisco Bay Area Flash movement? That's got. It's got to be. Someone's got to be out there thinking that one up. Yes, but would it be? Would it be enough to actually make a movie out of it? That's the thing. I'm sure they could find some way to fucking milk. I mean, it you, you know, there's 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 more than enough content there, but. I mean, the, the the Mustang getting kicked out of Metallica, that's half the movie there. Well, if Mustang had his way, it would be the movie. Um, let's bring it right into the modern day then. Um, so Netflix released Metal Laws. Was it last year? I think that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah last, last year, year, wasn't it? What do we think of that? Yeah, good. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a classic by any means, but it it, it it throws itself directly into, you know, into young metal fans. It's um, fun. I think is it's, the it's fun, but it, it it it's entirely honest about the fact that it's also talking about mental health. Yeah, yeah how yeah. metal is can be intertwined in that, and uh, I think I think it's you know a boom. I mean, I, I think that film is not for us. We can watch it, we can appreciate, it, we can we for can the identify generation. the traits and everything. But it, it, it's it's for it's for the people who are like in their teens now. Like that, that film has the potential to be what School of Rock was 20 years ago um, for a lot of people. And now you've got the, you've got the uh, existence of social media and everything to support it. So I'm sure it's going to have an effect. I mean, like, I mean, are we going to talk about Lords of Chaos? That fucking piece of shit? Well, we, 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 we plan not to. So let's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't do the genre any good whatsoever, um, from a musical point of view or a cultural. Why point of view, there's there's it's not technically about metal, but no, and it's it's oh, it's like um I can't even remember it's got fucking Roger Daltrey from the Who in it, right? Oh, Tommy. And it, it, it was, Tommy. No, 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 no. It it is one of these like really like kind of cheap. Budget, f- like it was a series of films, but there's one particular, and it's 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 like four short stories about music industry, and Roger Daltrey plays the devil, and it's it starts off and it's it just says uh, Camden, 1969, and he's in and it cuts a guitar shop, and you just see um, someone who's supposed to be Hendrix trying to play a song, and he drops dead, right. And Strange frequency. Yes, that's it. Um, 
and and then it like it, there's this guitar roadie and he's in a band but he what he's he's the guitar roadie but he wants to be in the band so like Roger Daltrey gives him like you know it's it's the it's the whole Robert Johnson thing selling your soul to the devil at the crossroads and become a great guitar player and then it goes soon he gets the fame and the fortune and then Roger Daltrey calls in he goes well you know and he's like oh my god you're the devil and then Roger Daltrey just looks at him and just goes why are people always surprised it's me like that. And then he's like, oh, you know, well, I, I, you know, I'm not dead yet. He goes, well, he goes, you won't die unless you can play this piece of music all the way through. And it's some um, Spike from Buffy is, is, is the, the guy that plays Spike and Buffy is the guitar player. And he's like, he's got this um, sheet music and the, 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 the guitar strings are so sharp that he starts making his fingers bleed and the blood drips down onto the paper and makes the next set of notes, right? But then the guitar strings keep snapping, right? And he's like, you've got to finish the song. Otherwise, I take your soul. And it cuts down to, like, he's literally got one string left and he finishes the, the piece of music and he's like, yeah, I fucking did it. And he goes, that's what Hendrix said. And then the, the, the last drop of blood drops down into the parchment and it says, and he goes, look at that note. He just goes, what does it mean? He goes, return to beginning but he hasn't got a single string left on the guitar to play it. And he just drops dead. So it's like, you know, this, this, that is, it's not metal, but it's, it's, you know, it's one of the, I remember watching it. I absolutely stoned out of my tree one night in year two at university. And thinking, what the fuck is Roger Dolce doing in this film? You know, it, it, so yeah, um, stuff like that. And it's like, it, it, it doesn't take the piss, but again, it's kind of linked to, like you know, playing the guitar, hard rock and stuff, and the devil, yeah. So, what about documentaries um, and biopics and things like that? I mean, let's let's quickly touch on a film that we as metal fans love: uh, "Decline and Fall of Western Civilization Part Two. All about that whole '80s scene and the women and the money and the drugs and, and everything that the '80s came with. Um, uh, uh, it's it's a realistic, gritty, honest look at what that scene was. Yeah, by a music, uh, a video, a film director who treats it with respect, and she allows the people on there to behave like dicks. They're the ones that make themselves look stupid. It's not done through editing. It's not you know the only people that in that film that actually come off looking good are Megadeth, Lemmy. I think that's it. Yeah, that's a fair point. Like, honestly, the rest of them, like, Kiss come off looking like, like absolute twats. The guy from Wasp is like, fuck me. Um, and then there's, like, shitty bands that are trying to make it, and you just thought, well, there's a reason why you didn't make it, because you fucking can't play your instruments. It's the, it's those bands that are the, the biggest part of that movie for me, like because they, they think they're rock stars, but they're, they're not. They're still just unsigned. Well, they're in the scene. Awful they're bands. In the, they're just in a, they're in a scene. They're in a local yeah, and scene. The, the scene gives them credibility. Yeah. But if if you're if you're a nobody and you can't play your instrument, but you're playing the rainbow on a Saturday night, yeah, you're gonna think you're a big deal. You could be a house band doing covers and and you would get laid. It, it was that it was that sort of scene, wasn't it? And that film just, just highlighted how disposable that whole scene was. And you know, things like Fucking Paul Stanley just surrounded by women on a bed, and it, when you look Gene back at Simmons it now, it's embarrassing. In a lingerie shop, yeah. I mean, it's they they don't do themselves any favors. You know, some of the stuff that comes out of Steven Tyler's mouth in that film, that cunt should have been in prison a long time ago. 
I that that I was that, that was the scene back then. I don't know if you've seen it. Okay, so there was that there was there was the documentary on Thrash Metal that came out. We watched it years ago when you were still back in Cornwall on Get Thrashed, right? And that's a great yeah, documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a better one that's been been made since then called Murder on the Front Row. Murder mm-hmm. in the Front Row. I'm aware of that. I've seen I it think, and, and that's got that in it, like you know. I mean, my my favorite quote is from Get Thrashed is fucking Mustaine again because the guy's good for a quote, but he's like you know. <laughs> Well, I got, you know, people say I was faster and more exciting than Metallica, but I was faster and more exciting than Metallica when I was in Metallica. And he's like, I don't want to be sound, I don't want to sound big headed, but I've had a direct influence on three of the big four because I taught Kerry King how to play. But, you know, he's just, all right, all right, mate, we get it. But um, no, that murder in the front row is def- I think it's better than Get Fresh. Like I say, Mustaine's Get Fresh is a point. damn good documentary. What about the dirt? Let's let's bring it up because it, it, it wow. polarizes opinion quite a bit. This film don't like it. I, I I've never been a big Motley Crue fan, but I'm just I'm no no no. Me neither. Me neither. But is it just one of those switch your brain off? Because the, um, the, the book's a great read. We all know that. But the movie, the, the the book is fantastic. The book is absolutely brilliant. the 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 film is throwaway. Um, the guy who plays uh, Ozzy Osbourne is superb, and the uh, the snorting of the uh, the piss and the ants around the swimming pool is well done. The only questionable thing about that scene was the slight Australian tinge in his accent. Yeah, yeah. But the, the actual problem- the actual scene, the moment was actually was was done quite well. To be fair, the problem is is if you're going to do that, you need to do it warts and all. And you can't, yeah. you know, someone like Netflix say we're gonna we're gonna do it. It's 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 not family friendly by any means, but that need that almost needs to be a full on NC seventeen movie where it's gonna have difficulty getting distributed across America because it's just so Yeah. <laughs> you could have easily done that, you know, in Motley Crue. It's not yeah. like they were, you know, they were the shy retiring type. It's not gonna make a profit though, is it? That's the trouble. NC seventeen films don't. Yeah, there's so much in the book. I mean, it could have easily been uh, like a, a four-part, like four episodes, hour-long type TV thing, rather than trying to just condense it down. Because there are big bits which are glossed over, or just big time jumps where you kind of miss some of the key stuff that's in the book. Yeah, I think uh, that's 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 always been the challenge of going from a book to a film, isn't it? If if you take yeah. it to TV now, you've got that opportunity to to put way more detail in it, to stretch the story out. It, yeah. Right. It, it, there was, there's moments it just felt like it skipped from one time period to another too quickly. Especially yeah. towards the end yeah. where all of a sudden, you know, you've gone from the car crash and then you, all of a sudden you're towards the end of the movie and they're back together again. You go, hang on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, how they eventually made Dr. Philgood, you know, was sober and made a great, great album. And yeah, that's not, that's not as fun, is it? Yeah, and I think something like that would have would have made them look like less of a shower of cunts if if you you, <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of you know we've got clean we've made a great album we we, we kind of grown up a bit but you don't get the opportunity to to see that in the film. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen it yet, but I I wonder if the TV series about Pammy and Tommy was a lot better. It's brilliant. 
it's it's, it, it's it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I agree yeah. with Gav. It is it is great TV. She plays Pamela Anderson so well. It's just ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's, she's, she's, she's so she's so convincing. My only yeah. issue with the film um, is that he's not tall enough to play Tommy Lee. Other than that, he has him nailed. He's got all yeah. his mannerisms like a hyperactive child covered in tattoos. That's basically what Tommy and, Lee was. And Seth Rogen is brilliant as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he, yeah. It's very, it's, it's it's really worth watching. It's, it's some of the best TV I've watched in the last couple. Of years. I think yeah. I think as well. Like, I think obviously, like when you when you know, if you've grown up in the nineties, if you were in puberty in the nineties, you're like you know, Baywatch was oh my god, Baywatch, you know. Um, and then like you know, then you hear oh, there's a porn video with like you know Pamela Anderson, and you know everyone was like trying to watch it. I mean, this is back when we had dial up broadband, dial up dial up modems. You know, when you had to wait till Saturday when it was free. Oh, it oh, it was it was it was in peak rate, you know. Um, and but then like watching it, watching that TV series, and you realise actually it was fucked up. That that woman was fucking exploited. No, oh, yeah. Um, some of some of the sh- some of the shit that Pamela Anderson went through in her younger days, you know, long before TV and Playboy and everything like that. Um, don't particularly want to talk about it because it's not particularly worth repeating. But if you, if you Google it, you'll see it. Yeah, but like you know, yeah. it does raise some points like. It doesn't matter that she made a home movie. It doesn't really matter that she posted in Playboy. It doesn't make her a fucking no. None, none, none of it matters. None of it matters. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make her a slut or a slag or fucking easy. I no. Mean, for Christ's sake, how many people date people and hook up? You know yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. it's just a sheer fact they're in the public eye. She was dating a rock star. You know, in the nineties, especially, just that they're very early. Like, what's it? What's it? Um, Donna Dierico from Baywatch was going out with uh, Richie Sambora. Oh no, Nikki Six. Um, Heather Locklear. Heather Locklear. Heather Locklear from well, well she was dating um, Richie Sambora. They're all fucking on it, man. I mean, it was it was part and parcel. It's like you know, Baywatch is filmed in LA, the Sunset Strips in LA. You know, was that, that was that was fa- that was fame in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. their paths crossed, they ended up in bed together. So that that was that was yeah. the culture back then. So you know, it's- you can see that in Pammy and Tommy where. They are just living life to the absolute excess where they're trying to design the house and he's set down. This is what I want. And the builders are going, well, I'm building you what what you said you wanted. And now he's like, I want a fucking massive waterbed. Yeah. (laughs) But hang on. You didn't tell us that. Well, that's what I want now. And if you don't like it, fuck off out my house. Yeah. And I I can I can imagine that's exactly what Tommy Lee would have been like. (laughs) You know, like I said, he, he, like a hyperactive child covered in tattoos. He, he absolutely nails it, but he is too short. That is that is a problem. Should at least add him on some platform shoes or something. And, and, and uh, what, what, watch it. It's really good. It's, it's really good fun. And it's quite dark at times as well. It, 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 you know, it's, it, it deals with, obviously it's dealing with, with porn. So it's, it's a seedy old fucking industry anyway. And it, it, it is quite gritty and quite grim at times. So it's, yeah. it's Hugh, Hugh Hefner doesn't come uh, out of it looking good, does he? No, no. But he, no. He's, he's another, you know. Well, no, neither does the owner of Penthouse. No, none, none of them do. None of them. All the fucking the lawyers, the lawyers that she hires. Yeah, you know, all fucking straight white men. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it just it highlighted everything that was wrong with society at the time. So. Um, so, yeah. I, did share, I did share a plane with Pamela Anderson a few years back, actually. Whoa, really? Was, uh, yeah, no, yeah. I was when I went to LA the second time, she was going back home, and 
I was in, in the queue, obviously getting into the plane and she was in the VIP queue and she was pretty much standing right next to me and yeah, made eye contact. And then and we bumped into each other in the um, getting our luggage on the other end. So, but Did she realise she was sharing a plane with you? I, I mean, she far didn't say big, anything. Far bigger deal. She was probably did, too did intimidated. Did she ask for your autograph? Huh? Did she ask for your autograph? She fucking should have done. Wow. <laughs> Uh, like I said, you know, that, that the whole Motley Crew thing, the, the, the book was a great read, the movie wasn't, but yeah. I think Pammy and Tommy kind of, it almost glosses over the fact that Dirt was a piece of shit. It's, um, it, it just, I think it just tells a better story because Nikki Six is an arsehole. We all know that always will be. And watching a film that, that kind of massages his ego a little bit too much. I was never, not quite comfortable with it. Yes, it was fun to watch, but it was just too. That scene where he overdoses on heroin, it's way too over the top, way too look at me, cry for help, all of that. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. You know, there's, there's a reason that Bruce Dickinson wrote Tattooed Millionaire. Um, 90s, slacker films. Anthony, this is uh, this is a bit of you, isn't it? Clark's well, more rats. I thought, Empire I it was Records, relevant. Days of Confused. Yeah, I mean, I know Metalway pops up here and there on some of those some of those movies. I mean, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it's sort of indie rock, grunge, a bit punk. But you know, you got stuff like in Clark's where corrosion of conformity pop up. Yeah, um, and whatnot. Empire Records is an interesting one because it's it's a great movie, but it, it's not metal. Um, the soundtracks are getting very indie, a bit twee at times. But you've got the great moment where Anthony LaPaglia's um, manager plays plays um, ACDC on his drum kit at the back, back of a thing. And, uh, and a great moment where one of the uh, characters starts eating a hash cake whilst watching a Guar video. And imagines himself in the video getting eaten up by the big old monster. Well, so, we all we all imagine that when you look at Gore. So you know. yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, talking nineties, I think you look at two films which are, are retrospectives, and you've got Days to Confused and Detroit Rock City. You know what? They're, I've, they're I've, I've just I've just clocked Detroit Rock City on in our notes, and that's a film I'd actually completely forgotten about. Yeah, I love that film. You know, even though I'm not a Kiss fan. That film's brilliant. That that whole story of kids trying to get to see Kiss, that's brilliant. I think we could all relate to something like that if if we want. It's it just, yeah, it, it ticks all the boxes. That one. I'm not sure it's nineties. It might it might be two thousand, but it's it, it feels like a nineties film. I'd like to I'd like to say sort of ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, it's very probably yeah. very end of the nineties, but yeah, it's it's a really cool film. There's just some some great moments in it, like when they're in the convenience store just before the gig and it's getting robbed. You know, and, and the guy that's robbing the store says to him, you know, who's going to stop me? And he, you know, you, yeah, you and what army? And it's, yeah, the KISS army. Oh, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cheesy as fuck, but it, it just, it just, it made me laugh and it works really well. And, you know, they all get their moment where they all get laid. Shannon Tweed's in it. From the Red Shoe Diaries. Oh, yes, the very same. <laughs> Channel 5's Magical Moments. Oh. Well, obviously, married to Gene Simmons, wasn't she? So... You know. Oh yeah, God. 
or potentially still. How many is, though? Seriously, know. how many of those like kind of erotic thriller actresses were actually called Shannon? Because there's Shannon <laughs> Lee, Shannon Worry, as in Animal Instincts, and Shannon Tweed, who's like for fuck's sake. I mean, Indecent I mean, I remember yeah. back in the day when you when you'd have like the TV t- radio times, and you know. <laughs> And you'd look, look on Friday night on Channel 5, and if you saw the word Shannon Tweed, and you, you knew there was going to be nipples. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, never, never anything else, although there is one, there is one, I'm a bit of a connoisseur on Shannon Tweed film. There is one called Singapore Sling, right? And yes, it's everything. So, dear, oh dear, oh dear. We, we've hit all new lows, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. That that specific actress sustained me through A levels. <laughs> look, I look, I can remember, you know, because yeah. it was always on Channel Five, and like live growing up in Cornwall in the nineties, Channel Five was always like half a channel. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. <laughs> Occasionally, you could catch a little bit of what was going on in the Red Shoe Diaries, but you know, yeah, oh, mate, those were the days. Fucking hell, Detroit Rock City's ninety nine. Ah, so, okay, so yeah, he's just about ninety. So, yeah. yeah, fair enough. You got some names. Yeah. I mean, you got a uh, what's her face, Nat- uh, Natasha Leon, haven't you? Yep, yep, she's yeah, in it. Yeah, yep. she's gone to proper decent yeah. things now. So, Melanie, uh, Melanie Linsky, who's in Yellow Jackets at the minute, she's in it. Oh, not watch that. Very good things. Yeah, very good. And then two of two of the guys in it both ended up in Cabin Fever with um, Ellie Ross. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, that's for the horror fans out there. And he's got Edward Furlong who. Yeah, yeah. So I was just yeah. About to say, yeah, yeah. You know, if there's anybody who uh, has tried to uh, do themselves in and uh, live a life of excess, then he's your man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Dazed and confused, right? If you look back on that now, you would never ever get that cast together again. Now it would, you'd never be able to afford it. The cast is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And the soundtrack is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. If there's, one thing, if there's one thing this episode is inspiring me to do is to go back and watch all these films again. Yeah. <laughs> I just think I've got four days of Easter. I mean, I'm, you know, I've got other things to do, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, Matthew McConaughey talks about Dazed and Confused in his uh, self-help slash autobiography book. And um, he just says it was just one of the best things he ever did. Uh, someone's got to do it. Like, like, if we're going to talk about dating, someone's got to do it. All right, all right, all right. right. All right. <laughs> what 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 worries me most is I, I I I knew a chap who years ago had a T-shirt that says every every year I get older, and every year high school girls stay the same age. <laughs> oh God! It's just like. Yeah, it's just be, yeah. but not on a t-shirt. Yeah, and maybe yeah, maybe 25 years ago, maybe, but not so much now. Uh um, let's let's quickly touch on Beavers and Butter, and particularly Beavers and Butter do America before we move on. Um what did what I mean obviously Beavers and Butter had their had a huge influence in the 90s, but was this movie a step too far? Yes. Did it really need? Because obviously, in the nineties, cinema was the pinnacle. But did Beavers and Bud really need a movie? It's the same thing as Netflix making the dirt. It's like we've got some content. Let's just make it into something, just yeah. to fill like two hours of a schedule. Yeah, like I mean, that's the thing with the with the dirt. It's like, oh, well, we've got the rights to this. Let's just 
chuck it into a film. It's not going to cost massive amount of money to make. And it's just like easy content. And then you watch it and you think, well, it's it's like it's almost like watching Songs of Praise on a Sunday night. It's just like it's there, you watch it, you know, it's doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. <laughs> songs of <laughs> You just compared, you compared songs back. of praise to people so much. What what it's just, it, oh it's fucking it, it's just old people sing, going around singing about fucking some old man you know it's like um just quickly before before oh, before I let um, is rolling in his grave right now he's 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 circle pitting in his grave I think you'll find it was a good he'd, he'd laugh before um before we let Anthony have a rant on um eighties horror movies um. Let's let's quickly look at soundtracks because there's not a lot of of metal, of metal soundtracks for movies, but obviously the one that springs to mind is Judgment Night. Not a great film, but I've got a theory with Judgment Night that it was a bit like uh, the Champions League football draw, and what they did is they got loads of bands and they just put them in two different bowls and they just went right. Okay, we've got Ice T from uh, number one and Slayer, and then they've just got to go and make a song. Off well, that, go, that's, that's like the um, that's, that's like a the fucking spawn, great way of looking at it. That's, that's like the Spawn soundtrack. Well, I was going to come to oh, that yeah, in a minute. That's the thing. Come the, to spawn, that in a minute. the Spawn soundtrack is more like a cup draw because a lot of those songs didn't work, whereas Judgment Night, on the part, mostly part, did. Oh, no, Judgment Judge Night is just, yeah. they, they fucking absolutely nailed it. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who's not particularly a hip hop fan at all. Teenage fan club, uh, Della Soul. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Number six, Faith No More. Number 11, yeah. The Booyah Tribe. <laughs> that is a great song. That is a great song. I listened to that on the way down to West Wales today. I had that soundtrack on. It, that is a good song. But it isn't a great movie. This no. is the thing. It's just a sh- it's a shame. Yeah. It's just how it's just how that soundtrack opens up opens up with that riff. Yeah, it's it's, it's just faultless. It's, yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah. If you're going to do something like that, that was absolutely nailed. And yeah, going on to Spawn, which I've not seen again. I've not seen the I've film either. No, I've they obviously seen, tried I've to do the same seen. thing. I've never seen it either. No. The one. The, the, okay, so it's it's um. I think it's Orbital, One Man Army, and Kirk Hammett plays guitar on it. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. not a bad one. That's yeah. not a bad yeah. one. And then you've got... Um, Tom Morello uh, and Marilyn Prodigy. Marilyn Manson, The Long Hard Road Out of Hell. But then they've got um, a remix. I can't remember who it's by, but it's For Whom the Bell Tolls. That's, really all, that's awful. Yeah, no. yeah. It's awful. It just takes away all the guitar. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't it's, really it's pat- work. It's patchy. And then they you've got like the Crow soundtrack, which doesn't have enough metal in it. It's got the badge by Pantera, but that's about it. Um, and that's a film that should have had more metal in it. Or when, goth. Or when, like, when you look, when you look through the Spawn soundtrack and you look at some of the people that were involved, so like I say, Orbital and Kirk Hammett, um, you've got Stabbing Westwood in there. The Prodigy and Tom Morello, one man army. That I actually like. I think that was a great that works. Yeah, that works. Henry Rollins and Goldie, I mean. Who the, f- who, the fuck, who the fuck put that together? Fuck that. Um, Slayer and Atari Teenage Riot. I mean, yeah, that was just, it was noise. 
Yeah, it's just absolutely fucking when noise. Saw, when I saw them, they were the first band on Reading 99. They opened the festival. Yeah, like 11 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, terrible, <laughs> terrible. But when you, when you look through that, it's, it's, it's almost like it's something that should have worked, but it just didn't. Yeah. You know, and the, yeah, the Crow soundtrack is another one. It was obviously at that time where, you know, goth and new metal were starting to come to life. And yeah, that, that did nothing for me either. I, it's it's my favourite soundtrack. I'll, I'll, I'll make oh, that. Really? I think, it, I think it gets the balance of the overall film absolutely right. It, it didn't need a completely metal soundtrack by any means. It just, it had enough. It had, it had the goth. It had, you know, a bit of a layback stuff. Um, you know, a bit of electronica there. Um, for me, it's it's brilliant. Um, I love it, and yeah, and it it feels it feels you know like a, a metal soundtrack in some ways because of the um, because of how heavy it was a lot of the time and the vibe of it. Um, I really, really hope that with this new reimagining of the crow that they don't fuck it up. Whoa, they, hold they on! Do Why do they need to do they it? Why? They're re- they're remaking it. Yeah, well, no, they're not remaking it. It's a reimagining. It's got Bill Skarsgård in it. So he was uh, Pennywise, wasn't he, in it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Danny Houston's in it, so he's bound to be the uh, the villain. Okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah. The thing is, though, I always say, it's not, you know, you've got to remember this, it's not a remake, it's just a new adaptation of the comic. But because the film, that film was so great, people always think of it as a remake. It's, a little bit, it's like a lot of things. They're remaking, yeah. the film. They're remaking this film, which is actually a, a successful film of a, of a great book. No, well, I keep having, but, I'm not a big fan of the film, but... I'll, I'll, I, no. uh, fair enough, I mean... I'll keep an eye on oh, it. Just, I, it just I, wasn't my thing at the time, I suppose. But, yeah, I look at the artists that are on the soundtrack, you know, Nine Inch Nails, Race Against the Machine, Cure, stuff like that. I, I get it, but yeah, it never really did it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's if I give not, it a go now, different. That's all it is. Yeah, it's you know. not your thing. It's just <laughs> not my bag. No. Um, but look, I've held off for about an hour on this. But um, oh. Anthony, you um, you want to talk about eighties horror movies? I, I'm all over eighties horror. I I'm, will well, I'll, um, join in on this one. I'll, I'll, I'll sit. About... I'll sit back and put my feet up then, and, uh, <laughs> and let you get on with it. I just no. I want to talk about horror. Full stop. I mean, the eighties is going to be a key part of it, but. Um, you know, we want to look at horror, horror as a as a fall because there's another film I mentioned earlier that we I think we'll cover in this. But yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta look at metal as what it is and how it started. You know, Black Sabbath they they wanted to make horror movie music, yeah. but rock. No, no, no horror. Well, you know, I'm not going to get into that conversation again because I said this last time with religion. But yeah, horror is a key part of metal's DNA. Now, if you if if it just it's just occurred to me how in the eighties you had all of this great horror, all of these great horror movies, um, all different kinds going on, and it was a cultural juggernaut, and the audience that soaked it up, much of the audience that soaked it up, were into heavy metal, which was also a massive cultural juggernaut in the eighties, and yet where was the crossover? It was it it barely existed. It rarely happened, as far as I can see. You've got your token soundtrack drop, like in. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, where Doc and get get used twice. They do the title track of Dream Warriors and uh, one of the earlier tracks is in an earlier scene. Um, you've got Trick or Treat, which is a very low-budget film, which has got a couple of uh, appearances in. Uh, and I've never seen that. That's how 
you know, that's how Gene Simmons is. is in it. Yeah. And uh, Ozzy Osbourne is in it. Yeah. And apart from that, you've got a, you got again, you've got to dig to the odd, 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 odd appearance of a band on a soundtrack, but it's not enough. It just feels like it was just so underused across. Yeah. I mean, the 80s. I, I, I'd agree. And I think what, what you've got at this time is you had, um, metal bands and artists almost kind of saying, how can I get involved here or vice versa to make us a bit more, uh, mainstream is probably not the right word, but in the public eye. You know, so Alice Cooper recording a song for um, Friday the 13th part six, right? And that song is, not metal at all, but he's able to put Jason's mask on, then he's associated with Friday the 13th. And then you've got that slight kind of crossover between Alice Cooper and Friday the 13th. And then he did the reverse. Um, I can't remember what the song's called. Um, Lock Me Up, I think it is, where he got Freddy Krueger in his music video. And it wasn't associated with a film, but because Freddie was big at the time, Alice Cooper got Freddie to star in his music video. Yeah. And and that's a, a popularity contest rather than anything else, I think. Yeah, of course, Alice Cooper popped up in um, Prince of Darkness as well. And Freddie's dead. Yeah. He's, he's Freddie's stepdad. Yeah. In, in, in Freddie's dead, yeah. Which, which is a great sequel. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's a mean, conversation for another time. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 is one of my absolute all-time um, favourites. Um, I think uh, Doc and Dream Warriors, yeah, it's a bit cheesy, right? I think it's a bloody great tune. Um, and I've been lucky enough to meet Robert Engel twice. Once was just a kind of a, a meat factory, kind of take your photo with him. But the first time I had um, my eldest boy, Finn, who had only been four or five at the time, dressed as Iron Man at a Comic Con. We rocked up early. There was nobody waiting to see him. Cool. And I went up and I was like, can you sign my Nightmare on Elm Street 3 DVD? Of which he put, welcome to prime time, bitch. Robert <laughs> Engel. Of which I was like, yes. And then he just spoke to Finn for about 10 minutes. He said, oh, I've seen you've got Iron Man on. Uh, do you know that I do the voices of all of these different cartoons and, and, and whatnot? And I'm sat there just like, this is amazing. And he literally just spoke and spoke about all of the voiceover work that he did to my son. And I was like, that is just awesome. Slight offshoot, but... That's, no. that's, cool. that's, <laughs> that's very cool. That's very cool. I mean, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say we've seen Don Dockin recently uh, sing Dream Warriors, and he can't reach for note anymore. Definitely. No, so, uh, no, oh, <laughs> don't say that. Don't say no, that. it was bad. Ruined. <laughs> old. Um, why, why? Why was there not more metal in in horror movies? Then why? You know, we had it a little bit in the nineties and that, but there's there's so much opportunity in the eighties, especially. Why didn't it happen? I, I, you know, I think that's a documentary investigation to come really um might, might, might look into that get some funding for it i i don't know i think i mean you know different different industries 
different industries. So, of course, you know, different creative needs and desires and whatnot. Horror movie directors and producers, they're going to do, want to do their own thing and make things in their own way. Um, and I think even they might have had an attitude that metal music was, you know, for losers. You know, we're, we're actually quite sophisticated in what we do. I wonder if a lot of it was just money. Because, you know, certainly in the 80s, the horror industry, you're churning out cheap as chips movies and if you get a hit great but if you don't it doesn't really matter so do we want to pay for the rights of a song if we don't know that the movie's going to be a hit because you know Dockham was like the third Elm Street when Alice Cooper was in the sixth Friday the 13th where you know you've got a market and you know you can churn the movie out and still you're going to turn a buck and therefore you can afford the, the song, the artist to be with you? I, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I there's a couple of films that might counteract that argument. Um, the first one being Demons, um, which was um, Mario Bava directed, or was it Lucio Bava? One of the Bavas anyway. Um, European film. Uh, it was it, it, yeah Italian film, although it was set in West Berlin and made in 1987, um, and it was about yeah people in a movie theater and they get infected with a virus and start rampaging yeah. through the theater and eating each other and killing each other. It's great fun. I mean, you know, I've sold it really well there, but yeah, but it's um, the soundtrack is very electronic. Um, it's done by a guy called. Uh, Claudio Simonetti and I'll, I want to come back to him a bit later um, but it's very very 80s um, but it's a slightly metal soundtrack there as well you've got Accept doing Faster, the, Fast as a Shark there's a great great scene where one of the characters is basically riding a motorbike around the theatre and hacking down the, the zombie types um, whilst that's playing um, and at that time in Europe, except for probably big guns, weren't they? So, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's they, they wouldn't have been cheap. And the other film I want to mention is Phenomena, uh, which was a Dario Argento movie um, from 1985, um, starring a teenage Jennifer Connelly who could talk to insects. And she was basically ended up tracking a serial killer through the, the Swiss Alps. Um, and they've got Iron Maiden on that soundtrack wow for flash of a plate i've never seen i've never seen that i have seen demons yeah and uh i just checked on imdb and it looks like i wasn't a fan <laughs> on demons yeah i think i give it three. Oh my work no I, I, no no don't agree with you there <laughs> yeah well, phenomenal yeah. phenomenal has actually got a pretty good um a pretty good rating and yeah, um, i mean Jen well, Jennifer Connolly at that time, is that just before she did Labyrinth? Yeah, yeah. She's oh yeah, she's like 14 or 15 when she filmed that. So yeah. she was quite young. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's let's say it's Dario Argento, so proper. Oh proper god, Donald Pleasance is in it. Or a chop Donald Pleasance. Yeah, there's there's a great <laughs> scene with a chimp. Great scene with a chimp, I'll tell you that now. But no, I mean, again, you've got that that's an interesting soundtrack because again, Claudio Simonetti scored it. But you got some weird stuff. You got Bill Wyman popping up. You got like stuff like Alien Sex Gang on it. it it's nuts. But 
you know, Iron Maiden. They got Iron Maiden for it, and and there there must have been some money there. And yeah, he wasn't exactly a big Hollywood director, so I don't know. It's 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 certainly a valid suggestion, but surely if if Hollywood has the money, if they could do it, why couldn't Hollywood? Yeah, agree. I mean, once as soon as you roll into um, the nineties and the noughties, they seem to be able to get whoever they wanted at that point. I mean, for, I guess, you know, for Freddy versus Jason, they knew that no matter what tripe that they were going to chuck out in that movie, they were going to make money. Because it's not great. No. I mean, well, I said saying enough, but it's, it's like I say, it's, it's just a, a cash-in, isn't it, really? So and a lot of those bands would have been probably quite keen to get on a soundtrack. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't mentioned 90s horror. I don't, I don't want to talk about 90s horror. I have a very, very love-hate relationship with that period. Um, Too much new metal. Uh, no, no, no. 90, no, 90s was 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 not new metal uh, in terms of horror stuff. Well, late, late My, 90s and early 2000s. I, I, yeah, it, it's, it does seem that I do associate horror films from that period being much more closely connected with horror. It's like they, they realised it worked. I worked at the Odeon for three years back in yeah 2000 to 2003 back in the student days so yeah the new metal era so to speak yeah you have to you have to stand there waiting for people to um finish up and leave the cinema when the film is um film is leaving so the amount of end credits i had to watch waiting for people (laughs) and of course every it seemed like every horror film you know that had a few teenagers dotted about every horror film you got you got the final kill of the film and then it kicks in with some new metal track it just that just seemed to be a thing um, for a few years. It was just easy, an easy combination to make. And you know, whatever we say about new metal, it just seemed like the whole yeah. of that era seemed to identify that as as being relevant. Um, it's, it's cultural crossover, isn't it? A lot of the, yeah. a lot of the kids, as it were, yeah. would have been into the same, you know, into both sides of it. So it's, it's yeah. like I said, it's an easy combination to make. I feel a film, a couple of films. I think I do want to. I do want to mention. And again, it go, goes going back to the eighties, which um, it is one of my favourite films, uh, horror films especially. It's not a metal soundtrack. It's 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 death rock slash horror punk. But it, again, it gets that combination right. It identifies how it how it works with with the story, and that's um, Return of the Living Dead, which was a sort of meta sequel to Night of the Living Dead made by one of the co-creators, not George Romero, um, but John Russo, his original partner. Um, it's a comedy. It's a horror comedy. So, yeah, zombies, virus. But, yeah, lots of punk, lots of rock, lots of grimy kind of feel. You know, the soundtrack's great. Um, it's not even available digi- digitally, I don't think, but it came out on vinyl a few years back on like beautiful green splatter vinyl, which I've got. So it's, um, yeah, it's one of my, my favourites. But, yeah, you got... Yeah. You got it's Dan O'Bannon, isn't it? Yeah, Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, Dan, Dan O'Bannon was one of those. He's, he's a writer that people have seen his films but don't know his name. He wrote, co-wrote Alien or wrote Alien. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I watched Dark Star. Dark Star, yeah. For, for the first time ever a few months back because it was on um, Quentin Tarantino's podcast as one of the, the things to watch. And you watch that and you absolutely know that Rob Grant and Doug Naylor watched that film and went... <laughs> We can do something here. And Red Dwarf definitely has pinched a few ideas from Dark Star. Yeah. 
What else did he? I've oh. never seen. I've never seen Return of the Living Dead. Actually, that's probably. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, you. I'm sorry. What? Even, even yeah. I've seen that, and I'm I'm far from the biggest horror movie buff. Oh, mate. Yeah, oh, you you got to get on that. It will go straight on the list. Yeah. There are a couple of decent. I've just clocked, I've just got the uh, the the red splatter vinyl on eBay for seventeen quid as well. The soundtrack. That's a oh, that's yeah. I've got I've got yeah. I've got like um, snot green. It's beautiful. <laughs> Lovely. There's probably a couple of decent kind of um, horror films in the nineties. I mean, Candyman. I'd probably put up there. Say that again. Uh, Candyman. Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> Candy man. Candy See, I, man. I, I say, I knew where you were going. No, you, you want a piece of advice. If you've ever need something done in the home, yeah, just look in the mirror and say handyman five times. <laughs> um, now, just look at what Dan O'Bannon also did. He uh, or, or was involved in Total Recall. Um, Total Recall, Life Force, which was a mad sort of space vampire film from the mid 80s. It's, you know, British, but weird. Um, heavy Metal, which we'll come on to later. Terrible film. Yeah. And Dead and Buried, which, again, is an underrated classic, which is about a seaside uh, town where basically they're, they're, people are being remade as from, from wax or something. But, yeah, it's one of those ones that proper cult film, but really good. But, yeah, he's Dan O'Bannon's great. But, right, yeah, Return of the Living Dead, it... it, it it knows what it wants to do. It thinks, yeah, let's use rock. Let's use this music properly. And it gets it right. So, yeah, thoroughly recommend it to people. But also a film I did write down on the notes earlier. Again, not metal, but absolutely relevant to the conversation. Green Room. Yes, yeah, I saw this. I, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with this. Have you not seen Green Room? No. Right. Oh, my word. It yeah. is oh, a horrible, horrible film to watch. It's, it's a great film. It's yeah. a great film. And Patrick Stewart is in it and completely against type. Yeah. So the, the, the premise is you've got, a, you've got a punk rock, hardcore band touring, touring the backwards of America. And they end up playing this really nasty venue deep in the woods somewhere that someone's recommended. And basically it's, it's a neo-Nazi hangout. Yeah. So you've got this very anti-fascist punk rock band who are who who during the film play Nazi punks fuck off and basically rile everyone up and they're trapped backstage whilst they're it's a siege movie basically um yeah. whilst all these neo-nazis and they, they get they're calling their mates and, they, and their leader is Patrick Stewart. Yeah it's fucking basically. brilliant film. yeah and there's 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 one scene I I just I want to watch the film again but one scene just yeah and he knows it's one of these. It's one of these type of films where you watch it and you go, "I need to go and have a wash." Yeah, nice. It's it's a dirty film. It's brilliant, and like I say, it's, it's got the um, it's got the late Anton Yelchin yeah. who just is it. You know, uh, Corpus Corpus Rotus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, in it. Who I did uh, when I was doing some research earlier in the week. I look, I looked at it. It's like an EP they released. I think wasn't it? And their first single. Well, their first song on their uh, on their album is called Vomit Pool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. That's fine. I've got no yeah. it's you, you, need, you need a strong stomach at times. Yeah. Excellent film. Yeah, probably recommend. But again, again, it, 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 
it recognizes that the the relationship between rock music and horror it's just this is there's a there's a symbiosis there um and it would just would have been nice if in the 80s filmmakers just recognized that a little bit more than they did you know there are a couple of horrors and and you put a couple of these uh down on the list and as well where if you use the right song right in the right movie it can just be brilliant right now disturbed yes with the sickness in dawn of the dead right it's just perfect and you might not like disturbed you might not like some but what <laughs> it does for that moment in the film it's just absolutely spot on it's yeah. spot on I, I have to agree there and i you know I, i'm no love of disturbed but it it yeah it works it's bang on it fits yeah, in that um, with that beautiful segue, then <laughs> let's let's <laughs> let's let's round let's round the episode off then with uh, with some of the the great metal moments in films that we can that we remember because not all just about the the films that were all about metal. There's been films over the years where you have those moments where a metal song pops up or it's in a particular scene or there's just a little snippet of it, and as a metal fan, you'll always. You'll always remember those moments. That we'll we'll start off with Gremlins two, and Slayer. It's just absolutely just brilliant. Just perfect just brilliant. timing. I think it's uh, is it Angel of Death. Yeah. yeah. Spike yeah. turns into the massive tarantula. Yeah. Spider. It's just it's just perfect. If you want to, if you want to find the yeah the, the most evil song for the the most evil moment in the film, so to speak, then yeah, it, it works perfectly. And and again, I mean, it's Joe Dante who is pretty much a horror director, but yeah, very yeah. very, you know, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff early stuff he did was <laughs> nuts, but again, it just recognizes the moment. You can yeah. use something like this in this moment. So why why could have all those horror directors not done the such? Sorry, I'm 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 ranting here, but yeah. <laughs> It proves my point. Um, Ace Ventura, Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of... It, uh, it's, it's hard to say it would be my favourite film. It's probably the film that I've seen the most. I did go through a period of time in my teens where I just would watch it over and over and over again. And uh, as Ace kind of sashays his way through the mosh pit, it's just comedy gold. He does do it so well. He, he, he carried a lot of it afterwards as well, didn't he? A lot of the press he was doing around the film, you know, talking about death metal, thrash metal, and all that kind of thing, and how he got into it and, you know, how he sort of stumbled across Cannibal Corpse and wanted them in the film. It, it was a very weird kind of process of, of, uh, of moments that, that sort of got to that point. But, you know, that, that was kind of when Florida death metal was at its, mm. at its peak as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you could probably argue that's the moment where death metal as a term yeah. started to become more commonplace than heavy metal as a, yeah. as a oh, yeah. that's, that's extreme rock music in its most extreme form, yeah. which, is, which it is, but that's when, that's when you know, the normies realised. Yeah, that. yeah, that's when normal people started, yeah. going, started saying things like, oh, yeah, you listen to all that death metal shit, don't you? Let's see, it's, it's that, isn't it? Yeah. That kind of period of time. Um, On that note, yeah, I want to shout out to In The Loop. Yeah, see, this, um, this is another one I'm not familiar with. I've, I've seen on the notes. Yeah. Political satire film. Um, 
written by a guy called Armando Iannucci. Who's well, got yeah, we all know. Yeah, we all know Armando Iannucci. Yeah, proper yeah. chops. Yeah, but it's basically the movie version of a BBC sitcom called uh, The Thick of It. So yeah, politics and satire, but absolutely brilliant, absolutely nailed on. If if you if you don't like politicians and political parties, this is brilliant. It's it, it nails how awful a lot of them are and how much bullshit it is. But yeah, there's it's it's mostly set in Washington DC with Peter Capaldi as as sweary Scottish bloke just swearing at Americans constantly. It's great. Um, but there's a, a couple of the younger characters, a couple of the like the political assistants. They go to a bar at one point and cannabis corpse are playing oh nice <laughs> so yeah it's, it's quite it it kind of took me out of the film to be honest because it's like oh wow there's fucking half a municipal waste playing playing in a satire but um yeah it's got that same sort of ace ventura vibe you know death metal happening in the background whilst your characters do their thing but see the film anyway it's fucking brilliant have you both seen triple x Oh yeah, again, that was one Indeed of the big film. films when I that was one of the big films when I worked at Odeon. So yeah, 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 yeah. times. The, the, the intro is absolutely brilliant. And I, I had forgotten about this. So I uh, I got it up on YouTube earlier today. And the first comment underneath when uh, Ramstein are playing, and it just says, This is the best intro to a movie ever. That's the top comment on YouTube. It's got everything in it. There's fucking fire. There's, you know, there's there's a, a mosh pit. There's the kind of straight-laced suit guy getting up on stage and getting shot. And they think that he's just done a stage dive and they're fucking bouncing him everywhere. It's brilliant. A brilliant opening to a movie. It's, it's one of those um, switch your brain off kind of... I, I enjoy it. It's great fun. It's... Like I said, that song, when Ramstein play that, the pyros, they throw off it live. Now, even now, all these years later, it's just mental. They go absolutely apeshit with that. Hatebreed, I will be heard in that as well. Yeah, yeah. When, he, when he's, he's parachuting out of the plane. It's just, again, it's just, it's nailing the song with the moment in the film. It's not a great film, far from it. Even for action films, it's not great. <laughs> But it's little moments like that that as a metal fan you kind of remember. On the other hand, let's talk about Lars Ulrich and get him to the Greek. I absolutely love this film. <laughs> I, I've not seen it. And I think now, because it's got uh, Russell Brand in it, I probably won't. It, all right, so I, I worth watching for Lars. It, it, I honestly think it's one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Right, it, and um, it's a film that if me and the wife have been out and got pissed, if we come back, she'll go, let's put Get Him to the Greek on and we'll watch it. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. A lot of the songs are kind of piss-taking songs in a kind of similar vein as Steel Panther. Um, you know, Russell Brand is singing and, um, you know, you've got a song about the clap, your bangers and your mash, which is basically getting your dick out. Um, but it, it, it is genuinely a funny film, and you know, Lars Ulrich is uh, the uh, boyfriend of his ex-wife. And, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it, it'd be like your, your, your ultimate nightmare that you, you split up with someone and she, she ends up in bed with Lars Ulrich. I can't really yeah. think of anything worse than that. Can you imagine? Jesus fucking Christ. To be fair to him, though, he, he does it quite well. 
He yeah. Lars, Lars Ulrich plays Lars Ulrich pretty well. Yeah, it's, 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 it is it is a great film. It's one that I've watched over and over again, and I just find it funny every time. It's stupid, stupid film. But, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely a stupid film. But I, I agree, he's, he's quite good fun. And he's got a Lars on it, so, you know. Yeah. Makes up for it. A um, couple of others just quickly for me. I think um, <clears throat> Tenacious D... The pick of destiny, mm. right? I think the uh, the boss battle at the end. Now, uh, I think it's just brilliant. And I I saw them do this live uh, in uh, Manchester Arena when I saw them. And uh, as they went to do the song, they kind of pull the stage back, and there's a they're in hell, and for some reason they've got Jesus playing the guitar. They had Colonel Sanders playing the bass and then the devil on the drums um, as, a, as a set piece on stage. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. I think the, the, the boss battle at the end of Pick of Destiny, I think is a, it just, I just think it's, it's Dave Grohl. It's funny. It's a good song. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I suppose when you think of it, it's Dave Grohl, you, you, you let it off. It's not a great film. I remember going to see that in the cinema. I went to see that, in a cinema in Bristol, um, and it was the same night a Bond film was out, and there were so many people around the cinema, it was huge queues and everything. Like, I thought, oh fucking hell, here we go, and walked into what's the pick of destiny, and it was me, and my other half Sarah, and no other cunt. And everyone else was watching James Bond. <laughs> so yeah, that that kind of, that says it all, doesn't it? Really, I want I want to mention a couple of comic book films. Go oh, go on then. You had to get go it on. in somewhere, didn't you? Yes. Now, I, can't, can I, I think we have to acknowledge, you know, a couple of moments in Iron Man. Yeah, the yeah. first yeah. MCU Definitely. Film, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that when, I mean, you know, you're not even expecting it. You think, I hope this movie's good. I've heard it's good. And right off about ACDC, it's just, yeah, they just, the way they just put that into it. And you end with Iron Man as well. Yeah. Now, that film would have opened up a few eyes to metal as well in the same way School of Rock did. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, definitely. And I've talked about Mar how Marvel films have utilised music across the board and how it's you know how it's introduced that to young kids so i'm i'm not going to go down there but that's great but yeah one moment as well in, in an x-men film i do want to point out x-men apocalypse um which, which divides opinion but that's one of the sort of retrospective films after the continuity reset so it's set in 1983 and so you've got the the egyptian megalomaniac apocalypse who's trying to get his four horsemen together. And he finds Angel, the winged bloke, turns him into his archangel. So what do you think's playing at the, at the time? No, he's looking, they're all looking clueless. The four horsemen. Oh, okay. Oh. I haven't seen the film. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was, I don't know, I, I, I didn't even expect it, but you've got, yeah, you've got that moment where set, film set in 1983, Apocalypse is basically recruiting his four horsemen and one key moment, that plays on and and it and it works it works it's just it's a little nod but it's just yeah you you got it you you got it right which is why i'm so pissed off with wonder woman 1984 because that was a fucking terrible movie first it's off. an awful film awful <laughs> film. the first film was great love the first film yeah second film i yeah just i mean i know it's probably impacted by covid and whatnot but you, you made a you made a great first film it's the same people 
what went wrong. Yeah, set in 1984, and there is a scene near the end where she is literally whip-slinging lightning. She's riding the lightning. lightning. And do they fucking use the song? No. (laughs) Marvel can do it. So you fucking can, DC. So, yeah, anyway. I think that's I think that's a great way to end the podcast. To be honest with you, um, although let's um, let let's to be no, let's let's just end it with because uh, we mentioned Rockstar earlier on. Yeah, let's just let's just round things off with just realizing how terrible that film really was. Could have been good. Yeah, should have been good. Was actually dog shit. It just meh. It was meh, wasn't it? It was just there's nothing there. There's no meat yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, just a wasted opportunity you could have you know yeah. a story like that you could have really gone to town yeah got the wrong yeah. they got the wrong person starring in the film straight off who would you have put in his place 2001 Ooh. something like that yeah early 2000s anyway yeah again i was, oh, I was oh, a, oh, oh. So. mark warburg's just a bit too clean cut isn't he a bit too he, he's he, he's he's a working class conservative man Oh, very, him. very working class conservative. He's very uh, anti Hollywood. So, yeah, it doesn't work. No, struggling to think. I'll, th- I'll throw one in there for the um, for the time period. Reese fans. I've told you about the Spider Man incident at San Diego, haven't I? I don't believe you have, so you may as well. Oh, again. oh yeah. So, 2011, second, se- second trip to San Diego Comic Con. Um, and they were doing a preview of The Amazing Spider-Man, which was coming yeah. out the next year. So Andrew Garfield turns up in like a, a fancy dress Spider-Man costume, being all enthusiastic, and it's great fun. Then they introduce all the um, actors, and of course one of them is Reese Iffens playing the lizard, and he slowly walks on. And they do the questions, and they answer questions, and Reese Iffens has to answer one of the questions, and uh, he's, he's answering it slowly and a little bit uncertain. And after a couple more questions, it dawns on me and the audience that he's drunk. And then after, oh, a more, after a couple more questions, it dawns on me, oh, no, he's not drunk. He is absolutely fucking shit-faced. <laughs> Proper, like, yeah. like, you know, I mean, he was, I mean, God knows how he even got secure, through security. Anyway, further down the line. I've, been out, I've was, been out in Cardiff a couple of times and I've seen him out. Yeah. He's always like that. <laughs> And, and it turns out, actually, just after that panel, he was arrested for pushing for pushing a woman's security guard over because she was like, "You're drunk, sir." And he was like, "No, I'm fucking not." <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah. If we're talking movies, then that are on the, um, the 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 poor end of the scale, uh, I'd be interested in your guy's view of uh, of Rob Zombie. Mixed. I personally think that Devil's Rejects is a great film. And the use of Freebird in that movie is brilliant. The rest of his stuff, eh. I've not seen it, and I need to, I, I made a, I need to make a point of it because I've heard it is his best one. I saw House for a Thousand Corpses, and I, I thought it looked, yeah. looked fantastic. Yeah, cinematography-wise, it looked great. Yeah. But there was nothing to it. Nothing to it. I came out just feeling a bit like, what, what, what was, what was the point of that film? It was, it was like an amusement park. It's like, yeah. it, it looked great, but ultimately, it's, yeah. And I thought, oh, hopefully he can get better. And 
he did for one film. I saw Lords of Salem, which I like the atmosphere, but again, it's just it just it was over and just felt meh. Yeah. He's got to um, just stop casting his bloody wife in the films. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I've not seen that either. Again, same as you, Ant. I've seen House of a Thousand Corpses, but I've not seen The Devil's Reject, so I'll, I'll give that his, a go. His Halloween's are not great. It's, it's, 30, yeah, 31's not good either, but yeah, Devil's Rejects is is genuinely a really good film. And he, you've got to give him his dues. He, he, he was desperate to make that movie. And he fucking made that movie. You know, regardless of everything else that was going on around him, people telling him after a thousand, a thousand corpses, you're never going to get it made. And he still got it made. It's tricky with it Rob Zombie because he, he's one of those people that I, I hold in such high regard when it comes to, to metal. He's up there with people like Dee Snyder and, and Lemmy. He's he sort of, iconic and has always stood up for metal and he, he's one of those people so yeah. to he, see anything that he produces dream. that doesn't come up to standard would yeah. it, it would almost hurt so yeah yeah maybe, maybe that's part of it but yeah i, I don't know i don't know I, 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 house of a thousand corpses yeah and i'm with you i enjoyed it to a certain extent and cinematography wise it looked great but yeah, it wasn't a great film i'll give devil's rejects a go have to it's yeah. a good film and the oh. only other film, the only other film I mentioned, my last one would be Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I did touch Where, on that, but I've not seen it. Ooh. I haven't seen it either. No, I'm, I'm not they, a video gamer, so I didn't make a point of it. But right. the 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 19 what is it 95 or 96 version, right? The soundtrack is just absolutely ridiculous. And for me, ignore The Last of Us because that's just a clear winner now. But before The Last of Us, it was the best video game adaption ever. It was absolutely spot on. What, even better than uh, Super Mario Brothers? Oh, far better. <laughs> far better. <laughs> it's got be Christopher fair, Lambert be, in it, for God's sake. To be fair, that soundtrack, that's, um, it's got, um, Geezer Butler's got a solo yeah. song on it, hasn't yeah. he? The soundtrack's brilliant. The main uh, song, uh, the main theme is an absolutely brilliant dance track. It, it's a very, very 90s soundtrack. I mean, oh, Christ, Utah if, Saints. If, if, yeah. If you yeah. were to just, if you were to basically say, can you describe the 90s in one, you know, in one, you know, object, yeah. that soundtrack would probably be it. Utah Saints. Utah Saints. U, 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 U. Utah Saints. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, and on that you. note, I think I think we call it a night. We have to yeah. have to apologize. Unfortunately, Padre. Um Yeah, we uh, we we lost we lost Padre about 20 minutes ago due to some uh, some technical gremlins. Uh, I think he was trying to make a sandwich out of the very small piece of bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he, he he's he's now just he's he's probably thrown himself off his balcony and he's <laughs> he's wrestling down the street with with salami and bread. So yeah. Um yeah, look, that, that was that was a lot of fun reminiscing on that. That takes me back over uh, over a lot of stuff from my youth. So, as I'm sure, you know, you two and Pajo. I've, I've added I've added a good five or six movies that I need to go away and watch. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Boys, yeah. You know, there's, there's, look, there's films in there that I've watched so many times, but I haven't seen for years and need to go back and watch again. So, yeah. I think that's that's going to be tomorrow night's entertainment. I think singles and almost famous. I think. We're going. Yeah, uh, yeah, just looking through the list as well. There's a film we didn't mention called Hesher, 
which is worth Shit, watching. Yeah, that's yeah, oh, yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, great film. Love that yeah. film. It's Metallica soundtrack. He's yeah. just a loser who just hangs out with a family. It's loosely based on Cliff Burton, isn't it? You know. Yeah, very, very indie, very, very grimy. But yeah, that was that was good. Um, we didn't mention Rock of Ages. I've not seen it. It's probably. You know, it is what it, it is. It's, it's, if it's, you it's, mention it's, that again on this podcast, I will hang you. <laughs> it's it wasn't you that put it on the notes then. It's just, nope. it's, it's hair metal times a thousand. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are the four films that Godsmack's I Stand Alone has been in? I Well, one of them's The Scorpion King. And, and again, I, I know that because oh, that was the that fucking end credits I had to do for that film. awful. Um, but there was about there were three other films on because I was curious on IMDb because I was trying to recall what film that was from and it's on four other films. I, I'm not even going to give them the fucking you know time of day outside of that. If I even mentioned them in this podcast, it's bad enough. I regret I regret putting them on the notes. I should have done. Well, I'm, flag- I'm going to flagellate myself later. On on that note, then fuck you, Godsmack, and good night. We'll uh, we'll see you all in the, in a week or so. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Later. Cheers.